Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 165 of X-Lapsed, where we're going to be taking a look at the many, 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 many deaths of Quentin Choir today. Um, this is X-Force, volume 6, number 17. This had a cover date of April 2021. Stories called Omega Reconsidered. Written by Benjamin Percy, with art by Joshua Kassara. Colors, Guru EFX, letters, VCs, Joe Caramagna, designs, Tom Muller, head of Exus Hickman. Edits, Amaro, Basso, White, Sabolski, cover price $4. This one went on sale February 10 of 2021. Now, uh, this one has that cover I think I complained about uh, before I kind of knew what the issue was all about. Uh, this is where Quentin Quire is wearing a t-shirt that says, uh, you know, I, I died a hundred times and all I got was this stupid t-shirt. Something like that. Something like that. And I was like... Man, I, I wish they weren't making such a joke out of this. And, uh, well, after reading the issue, maybe my opinion changes a little bit. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe your opinion changes a little bit. Maybe it doesn't. We'll get there, though. Because we open on a montage of Quentin Choir's many, 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 many deaths. Which, I mean, if you think of the QQ deaths we have seen, you know, I mean, there were a lot of them, right? Here are a bunch more that we've never seen. So, uh, in addition to all the deaths that we've read about, there's more. Uh, first, he's blown to bits. Next, he's run over by a steamroller. Then he's bathed in acid, clobbered by a bear, run through with a sword via samurai, eaten alive by spiders, launched into deep space, perforated with bullets, poisoned by some flowers sent by the Church of Humanity, thrown out of an airplane, and dunked in hot lava. And, uh... Hmm, you know, like I said, the t-shirt says he died a hundred times. I, I thought it was an exaggeration at first, but it might not be. Now, over the course of this montage, Quentin is delivering a narration, which questions why it is that he keeps dying. We got Wolverine and Domino, the other frontline members of X-Force. They haven't died nearly this much. And he considers for a moment that maybe he lets, maybe he keeps letting himself die because the resurrection protocols are a thing, Right. And since, at his core, he's just plain not happy with himself and loves having the opportunity to continually be reborn. In the present, Quentin reveals that today's not a day that he's looking to die because he's, you know, he's got a date with Phoebe Cuckoo. Well, he had a date with her before X-Force duty called. He's being sent to a cruise ship that's drifting dangerously or suspiciously close to Krakoa. And so, one construct jetpack ride later, and QQ is there. Now, Quentin arrives while puffing himself up a bit. You know, he's solo, Wolverine and Domino, uh, they're elsewhere, so he's kind of puffing himself up, saying, 
Eh, you know, the other two, they're just his sidekicks anyway, and he doesn't really need them. Now, what he finds aboard this ship is, uh, pretty horrific. It's hundreds of dead bodies. He manages to scan out a few sparks of life, which he follows into one of the cabins. There, he finds a little girl clutching her teddy bear. And he tells her to, you know, relax, you know, I'm here to save you, I'm one of the good guys. To which she corrects him and says, no, 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 you're the bad guy. Our hero then turns around and sees something that he declares to be impossible. We don't get to see it, but uh, we'll probably have a pretty good idea of exactly what it was as we get through here. But first, a double-page spread of Roll Call and Cred. We only got two characters to pay attention to this time out, Kid Omega and Phoebe Cuckoo. Then, an info page. This is Beast's report on the cruise ship massacre. Now, he blames the attack on a group of anti-mutant propagandists who call themselves the Sapiens, which is to say the discovery of this cruise ship being so close to Krakoa was no accident. This crew was looking to foment fear and hatred against the mutants, uh, forgetting for a moment that that's kind of been their tagline for almost 60 years now. Back to comics, and Quentin Quire is being resurrected yet again, which means he died on that cruise ship. Now, interestingly enough, uh, the five don't even seem to bother to be here to watch. Uh, I suppose a hundred times on the same dude, it might get a little bit boring or routine, or you'd probably just figure it's muscle memory at this point. Hell, Professor Xavier isn't even here to upload his memory. Instead, the only person who seems to want to be in the same room with him, Phoebe Cuckoo, does the honors. He asks her how he died this last time, and Phoebe reveals that she doesn't know. Uh, She does share with him the memories of their relationship, which makes him very happy indeed. Now, it might be worth noting here, it might not be worth noting, but uh, Quentin Quire is like... Totally ripped here. He is shredded. (laughs) You wouldn't expect this kid to have this body, but he is a a fairly muscular fellow here. Now, Quentin really wants to know how he died. He's getting tired of having these little holes in his memory, which I suppose after having like a hundred of them, they really start to add up and you really lose a bit of time. He also considers his lack of memory to be a matter of national security. And, well, bravado aside, he's not entirely wrong. Next up, info page. This is some notes from the five regarding the many, 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 many deaths of Quentin Quire, and all of the uh, modification requests he's made. We do know that the five are willing to help out with modifications here and there. I mean, they won't give Callisto her eye back. Then again, maybe she didn't ask. Um, anyway, we see here that there have been 310 requests made by Quentin Quire, which I don't know if that means there's actually been 310 resurrections, but, I mean, at this point, it really wouldn't surprise me if that were the case. Now, these requests are mostly cosmetic. Uh, He wants his hair color changed ever so slightly and then changed back. Uh, He also wants uh, hair follicles removed from places that he doesn't want to bother to shave anymore. He'd like for his eyes to have perfect 2020 vision so he could be one of those a-holes who only wear glasses to accessorize. And uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a legally blind guy talking here, and uh, I, I don't like it when people wear glasses as a fashion accessory only. Uh, also, he wants his redacted shaped a certain way. Uh, we can assume he probably means his nose. Hmm. Now, in any case, the five are very annoyed by his persnicketiness and claim that he's slowing down the resurrection process. And uh, to them, I guess it's just too bad that X-Force is uh, above the law, huh? So, uh, I guess just do your job, hoping the gang. 
Now, back to comics. We got Quentin and Phoebe visiting the handful of cruise ship survivors at a hospital. Quentin reads the thoughts of the first they come across, and it would appear that this guy has memories of being attacked by Wolverine. Quentin looks at the claw marks left on his chest and remarks that uh, they're off by several centimeters, uh, so it couldn't actually be their Wolverine behind this attack. The next survivor has memories of Colossus shoving his thumbs into her eye sockets. But that can't be the case, because after 17 issues, Colossus still isn't even officially a featured character in this book. Uh, I, I mean, he was in the Savage Land at the time of the attack, so it couldn't be him. Now, the girl with the teddy bear is last, and, uh, well, what she sees is a monstrous version of Quentin Choir himself. Phoebe states that these survivors all carry psionic scars, which mean that Quentin's fingerprints are all over their minds. Well, how can that be? Hmm. Later, P and Q are walking down the street, and, uh, you know, I always considered Quentin to be a strange dresser, but uh, next to Phoebe and her ex-poncho, he looks damn near normal. Anyway, he is worried about what he might have done, because, you know, he does have holes in his memory. Phoebe says they'll figure it out together and not to worry. Our hero calls her out for hating his guts back in the day. Which, well, I mean, come on, that's not really fair, because everyone hated his guts back in the day, and most still do. Phoebe tells him that he's got to quit throwing himself a pity party and compares him to a person living in his own movie. She reveals that he can be the nicest, sweetest guy, and what's more, she knows deep down that he wants to be. She compares his sweetness to that of a strawberry, which, uh, is a fruit that I recently found that I was allergic to, which I guess makes a fair bit of sense in this situation. Phoebe tells QQ that he's not responsible for what happened on the cruise ship. And she knows this because she stowed away in the Morlock healer's mind while he performed his, I don't know, autopsy? I, I thought Cecilia Reyes did those, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, Quentin's head was torn off and his body was filled with glutamate, the chemical of fear. Now, our heroes kiss, and Phoebe nearly bites Quentin's bottom lip off. Now, if you've ever had your bottom lip nibbled on, you, you could probably appreciate how nice that can be. This, however, is a very painful-looking panel. Like, she is... You know, this is like she's chewing gum. It's, it's pretty rough. Now, Quentin then decides to craft a psychic key to unlock his mind here. He wants to know if he could figure things out. And I mean, that's probably just got to be for the theater of the thing, right? Uh, him showing a, shoving a, like a glowing pink key into his eye hole. Whatever the case, it makes for a neat visual, uh, and it facilitates a trip into flashback land. We learn here, or actually it's uh, reaffirmed here, because I think we knew this information already, uh, that Quentin was an orphan, and, uh, well, actually, he was an orphan maker. No relation. His parents were abusive toward him, and so he killed them. This seems as though it happened before his mutant powers manifested. Back in the present, Quentin sheds a single tear. Not sure if this was a memory that he'd forgotten or buried so deep that he never thought about it. Um, then, a bunch of strawberry soda bottles explode their caps off. Um, likely a euphemism for Quentin needing a new pair of pants pretty quickly. It's a good thing they're headed to somewhere where he can get some. Just then, a piano falls from the sky like uh, we're in an old slapstick short or something, but Quentin stops it before it crushes them. Phoebe tells him it's time for him to change his look a bit, and so she takes him to Jumbo Carnation Shop. 
And you know, for like a one-note character who appeared like for all of a cup of coffee during the Morrison run, uh, old Jumbo's getting a whole lot of panel time these days. From here we get uh, like a sitcom montage. You know when a character on a sitcom is trying out new looks And so we get like the silly music playing And we get to see them wearing a bunch of weird outfits Like jumping out from the dressing room, you know That, that sort of thing Yeah, we get a page of that um, I could swear, though I could be mistaken That we've already had a scene or two like this During our X-Lapsed run Now it's very seldom funny uh, But I assume it's fun for the artists So I won't complain too much about it Now we get QQ in the following get-ups here First, a bondage suit because, uh, yeah, why not? Then a pink skin-tight full bodysuit with full head coverage. You know, like kind of like a Spider-Man or Dead, uh, Deadpool sort of thing where, like, everything's covered. Then he gets Cable's early 90s outfit with a pouch gag. Are we tired of those yet? Or are those still funny? Yeah. Then Glob Herman's pink jello coating, which is odd. Then we get one that looks like Gladiator of the Shi'ar's costume, which, okay. Then finally we get Wolverine's costume Okay And then really finally Quentin's new duds here And it's a pretty neat looking costume As far as costumes go But totally takes away from Choir's uniqueness Uh, I'm not sure why we need him In an actual superhero costume Doesn't seem like a good fit for the character At least not in my opinion Then Quentin sees a weird version of himself In the mirror and this weird version uh, attacks Jumbo Carnation, I think. We wrap up by finding out that the leader of the Court of Owls, I mean Zeno, has been watching this all unfold. And he's got tanks full of random body parts in the background, which kind of tells us where this story might be headed. But that's where we leave it. Next episode, we're going to take a look at Cable number 8. But of course, that is next time, so... Uh... For now, let's talk about this issue of X-Force. And I'd like to start by saying, um... I might just owe Ben Percy an apology here. Uh, uh, Now, if you recall, back before our story was so rudely interrupted by the Festival of Swords, Quentin was stabbed and dragged through a portal by Mikhail Rasputin, right? I believe he was then handed over to Zeno, so we don't know if he's dead or not. And I'm pretty sure I wrote that off as just sloppy or lazy or inattentive storytelling. But now I'm like 85% convinced that it was the whole point. Um, From what we know of X-Force, they're basically above all Krakoan governing bodies, right? So they don't really answer to anybody. They can override whatever, right? So pesky things like having X-Factor verify a death before resurrection... Could in theory be ignored, right? So who's to say that this Quentin That we read about in this very issue Who is growing and maturing And becoming a likable sort Isn't a dupe Like what if That montage of deaths we saw at the beginning of the issue Were all deaths of Quentin dupes Dying because They know they're not the genuine article Or the genuine Resurrected cloned body I guess Um I really think that that might be where this is headed And you know what? I I really kind of like it um, We see Quentin here He's all full of hope He's willing to change He's willing to grow and mature And I mean, you know, personally speaking, I've been there You know, I've changed many things about myself After meeting the woman who'd somehow agree to become my wife, right? You mature 
you try and make yourself into a more idealized version of yourself, the best version of yourself you can be, a way in which you can best complement your, uh, you know, your better half or your other half. And uh, I feel like that's what Quentin is doing here. And I have a sneaking suspicion that it's about to lead into some very severe heartache for one Phoebe Cuckoo, and maybe for the readers as well. At least those of the those of us who wanted to see the softer side of Quentin Quire. Now, on that subject, uh, when we got to the first Quentin and Phoebe scenes, I was all but ready to compare this to the old Jeff Johns approach to writing characters that we love to hate as flawed and relatable, which in actuality makes them uh, like a hundred times less fun to actually read about because, you know, you now, you now have, you know about their trauma, right? You know that, the, you know, uh, Captain Cold is only bad because he was beaten when he was a kid and you, you can't hate the guy anymore. You can't even love to hate him. It's just like you see him and you're like, ah. Or, you know, Black Hand uh, isn't just some sort of creep. He's got, like, this uh, weird backstory with uh, abusive parents and a neglected childhood and dead things. <laughs> we, they, I, I mean, you can't... I, hopefully we can't relate to that, but it makes the character uh, more of a shade of gray. And that's what I was thinking we were going to get here with the, the Quentin Choir story, uh, where we are softening him. We're making him less hateable in a way. And I was worried that they were, like, fleshing him out. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if he really should be. And, uh, I mean, do we need to like Quentin Choir to appreciate him, right? I, I mean, we can appreciate that he's here, but do we need to like him? Is it more fun to hate him? Is it more fun that he's just, like, a thorn in our side? He's a fun irritant, right? He's a guy who, he's a net positive to any cast he's in, but do we have to like him? Do we have to relate to him? Do we have to uh, empathize with him? Do we need more? I'm not convinced that we do, which I was ready to write this issue off as some of that, but in seeing the direction that this is going, and we have, you know, the, the girl with the teddy bear saying she was attacked by, by Quentin, and Quentin was not there, and then we see Zeno's involved, and there's body parts, and we know that Mikhail brought Quentin to Zeno, and part of me is wondering if uh, he's going to be in a tube somewhere like they found Domino earlier in this series. And when he's ultimately rescued, he's going to come out and be the same, you know, dickhead Quentin Choir that he's always been. And Phoebe's going to be heartbroken. And I think, I really think there's a lot of mileage here. And I hope that's the direction we're going. And would also kind of lampshade the montage of death that we saw at the beginning of this issue. That is, of course, under the assumption that... All of these deaths have occurred since Mikhail took Quentin to Zeno, which uh, is to say that this other dupe, Quentin, maybe they know. Maybe this dupe knows that there's something else out there. Maybe Quentin's powers allow him to communicate the fact that, uh, hey, you're not the real one. And so maybe he's a little bit easier to kill because he knows that he doesn't actually belong if... Uh, if you follow what I'm trying to say here, I, I'm sure I'm making this a thousand times more complicated and convoluted than it needs to be. I guess uh, quick and dirty is these Quentins that have come since Mikhail took the real one to Zeno knew that there's another one out there, and so they are more likely to let themselves die like being run over by a uh, steamroller or by smelling flowers sent by a mutant hate group. So... <laughs> 
if that is the case, well, sign me up. I'm uh, I'm ready for this story. I, I think it could be a lot of fun, and it might provide us with uh, some more some more questions uh, about the resurrection protocols and uh, X forces uh, being above the law. I think. Uh, this is, this is some pretty good stuff Also, the art is uh, fairly amazing <laughs> It's really, really, really good But uh, that, at the risk of repeating myself over and over again I will stop <laughs> That's all I've got to say about this issue of X-Force Now, we do not have any mail today uh, The mailbag is sadly, sadly empty So if uh, anybody out there would like to reach out Please, please consider doing so uh, We do... Have a little bit of news here I uh, subjected myself to some uh, Websites earlier today To see if there was any news And we have a little bit uh, First, some of the election results are in If you remember, we are voting for the final member Of the new X-Men team here And we have some results Two people have been eliminated from contention here And those two are Strong Guy and Forge Neither of them will be part of our new X-Men team So we're down to, what, eight Eight that are the, uh, the great eight who might be that final member Also, there's some news on the Reign of X Summer of Bloat Because I've been checking around on the internet And uh, many folks agree Just as uh, Damien suggested over on Facebook That the classified Leo Williams Valerio Shidi comic book Might be called The Trial now, if you've seen this infographic of the Summer of Bloat, you'll see that the first word is most definitely the. And then there's a short word after it, and it does look like you can see a T, R, and I, and I think the top of an A as well. So people are considering that this might be called the trial. But whose trial? Huh. Well, part of me wonders if that tip that Evan sent us a little bit ago about that weird email exchange in Strange Academy number 5... Might hold that answer What do you all think? I think that uh, Hmm, you know, maybe Before the uh, the speculator apps Get wind of this If you see Strange Academy 5, maybe pick it up Because uh, we're looking for any reason To pump value into these books So <laughs> it would not surprise me one bit If they're like, wait a minute This all started in Strange Academy 5 So if you see it and you don't already have it, maybe consider picking it up. It's just uh, that's my my hot stock tip for you. Uh, now another theory about the summer of bloat page, and this is my own theory, and it's that there is no actual title under the redacted bar. Maybe just a couple of placeholder words, just to make us think there's something and make us uh, obsess and theorize. And you know, I only say that um, because. I'm looking at the uh, the other classified redacted bar here on on Hickman's new X book, whatever it's going to be. His artist is redacted, right? Now, if we zoom in on it, it looks as though the first five letters under the redaction bar for Hickman's artist are A R T I S, which says to me it might just be a placeholder for artist to be determined, or TBD, or TBA. Um, I'm wondering if it's just placeholder text so they could cover it and make us theorize. I've seen people suggest that it might be Arthur Adams, uh, but it doesn't look like an H after that T. Um, unless it's highly stylized, which it very well could be, it definitely looks like artist TBD. Now, 
As for the mystery book itself, which if you're familiar with the infographic, it's just a circle with a question mark in it. The leading theories I'm finding uh, are that uh, this could be that Mora book that I think I just congratulated Marvel for their restraint in not giving us. So, oh well. (laughs) Hopefully that means if this is a Mora series, ongoing or limited, that there, there are about to be some answers dropped in our laps, or at least some more interesting uh, wrinkles in the uh, new landscape. But that's the news for today. Uh, if, if anybody out there has any hot news tips, please feel free to send them my way, and we can uh, discuss them on future episodes. And of course, you can reach me a few different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, or you can shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can find blog posts, show notes, and uh, actual uh, real blog posts nowadays over at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. There's also xlapsed.chrisisoninfiniteearths.com for the episodes of the programs. You can chat us up on Facebook where we're having some fun conversations about a lot of different things, including the Summer of Bloat. Our little group is 90s X-Men. Pretty easy to find, uh, and I hope you decide to check us out and chat us up. Finally, all your Chris and Reggie listening needs can be found at chrisandreggie.podbean.com, available on all your noise aggregation uh, device and applications. And that is where we'll leave it for today. I'd like to thank you all so, so much for joining me today and sharing a little bit of your day. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.